last week we kicked into a series called Powerless. And so it's really about uh, what the Bible talks about. Uh, this life that we are now to live as Christians. Because we really have two options. We can either live as a Christian in name. Or we can live as a Christian by experience. Now, I don't mean like that we just live based off of our experiences, but we should have some experiences with God. And we should have some moments where we experience really the power of God, and the Bible is very clear. And so, this is probably one of my favorite subjects to teach on Scripture. Uh, You know, if I was to, and partly because I believe it's one of the most misunderstood parts of Scripture. And yet, if we just stick with the Bible, the Bible's pretty clear. It's when you get everybody else's opinions involved and everybody else's thoughts involved that it can get uh, a little confusing maybe. And uh, so I'm going to share a decent amount of scripture with you today because I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to have the confidence that it's God's word and not just mine. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we've done, so we're in, the, in this series for a few more weeks, uh, probably well be four more weeks after this one. But uh, one of the things that I encourage you to do last week was to send questions about the Holy Spirit. Because I don't want to just preach some messages and you go, yeah, but what about... I would rather answer some questions. And so I had a couple of questions that were submitted last week. And so before I get into the message today, I'm actually going to answer these. And uh, so if you want to send in a question, these come directly to me. And so I may work it into a message or I may just do like this where I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to answer two questions real quick before we get into the message. Because sometimes I can just answer them really quick. And so if you want to text in that uh, a question, so there's a phone number right there, that number right there. And you can just text your question. So you type in the phone number and then you put the question down in the, in the body of your text message. Send it to me and uh, we're going to work that in. So here was one of the questions from this week. And, and I thought it was a good one. So I'm going to share it with you was, uh, is the Holy Spirit like a human spam blocker? Here's my answer. He can be if we listen to him. You know, I mean, like, I, you know, in my mail program, my email program, I have a few folders. I've got a couple of emails that it checks. And then I have this one called junk mail. Anybody else have a junk mail? How many of you never check your junk mail? You're just like, what's the point? It's junk. Little hint. Every now and then I find something valuable in there. So I kind of scroll through them if I can. And, uh, but. The reality is, is that in a way, the Holy Spirit absolutely can function much like a filter does on our computer or anything else. Why? Because the Bible tells us to guard our hearts. Well, how many of you know, sometimes we're not always as perceptive as maybe we should be. And we need the Holy Spirit to say, hey, don't watch that. Don't listen to that. Don't, don't be over there. Like, hey, you need to change this conversation. Don't, don't dive into that moment. You know, and so why? Because the Holy Spirit is trying to help lead us. The Bible says he's our guide. He won't force us anywhere, but he will guide us, the Bible says, to live in peace and joy and the power of God in our life. And so the Holy Spirit will help us. We talked about this last week. Is that he's not the doer. He's a helper. Big difference. And so that was one question. So there's my answer for that one. The next one is this. And I'll get into this more in detail later, but I wanted to go ahead and answer it up front anyways. And so it was this. It says, what's the difference between infillings of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It goes on. It says, are there many infillings and why? Legitimate question. So the first part is, is there a difference between the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? My answer is no. They're the same thing. It's just different verbiage, right? And so, but are there many infillings? The answer is yes. Why? How many of you have a cell phone? Everybody's hand should go up. This is like, like response, please. Like, are you alive? 
<laughs> right? Okay. How many of you got a cell phone, device, computer, something? How often do you charge it? Why do you, so why do you charge it every day? Because it will be of no use to you, correct? Because it will be a brick, a very expensive brick, but it will be a brick. It will have no power. It'll have nothing to it. In the same way, and so here's another way to say this, is that we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit continually. The Bible actually gives us this understanding. It says to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians. It, at actual translation, when you like go back to the original, it says be being filled. A continual. Like I don't care if you've got a gas car, diesel car, if you've got an electric car. They all need juice to run. Well, the Bible says that we live from the presence of God as believers. And so, are there multiple? Yes. Why? A funny way to say it is because we leak out. Life has a way of creeping in and we have to, what, top off the tank. You don't want to wait like, uh, you know, I'm guilty of this when I'm on a long trip. I'm like, how many miles past zero can I go? (laughs) I've been 75 miles past zero. I thought I was brave until I got to like 35 and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And then I saw a sign that said, no more gas for like 100 miles. And I started praying really hard. <laughs> like, Lord, help me. And uh, this was not a wise decision. And, um, but, so, is there a difference between infilling and baptism? No, not scripturally. It's just a verbiage. But are there multiple? Yes. Why? Because we need a touch from God. Like, life happens. And so we need more of the presence of God. And so that's some of my answers. So if you want to send us a question, if you have a question, and I don't care. What it is, as long as it's about the Holy Spirit. Because I believe it's one of the most misunderstood subjects in all of the Bible. And I think that the devil has done an amazing job at using it to be the greatest divisive topic in Scripture. Although it's taught, the Spirit of God is talked about from Genesis to Revelation. It's Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. Especially if you go and read like in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. This is right before Jesus leaves. It's kind of his parting shots to the disciples. And so, you know, when when somebody knows that their time's running up, they tell you the most important things. And right before Jesus goes uh, and is crucified and resurrected, he's pumping the disciples full of talking to them about the Holy Spirit that would come. And so, last week I shared with you some thoughts um, about this. And so... uh, So today I'm going to remind you of some things I shared last week and then we're going to jump into this. Last week, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to listen to it um, because it'll help give you some context for where we are today. But uh, last week I talked about this and I shared this thought with you is that we're empowered to be, not just to do. If we're not careful, we'll reduce living for God to just a bunch of do's and don'ts versus realizing that we've been created new in Christ, that we are now to be. I don't know if you've ever had like some bad habits and tried to overcome them. It's really hard just in ourself and our own ability, but something's very different when I realize that God has put a new nature on the inside of me, that that old man is just an old man. It's somebody else. And I, I now have a new life in Christ. And so you could say it this way is that being is who we are. Doing is how we behave. If, you know, God works from the inside out. And the problem is that many times most religion does it the exact opposite. If you change all your external behaviors, you'll get better on the inside. And God says, no, 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 that's not the way it works. Out of the heart flows life. You got to fix the inside first. Well, Jesus made the way for us to what? Have the inside, the heart fixed. 
And so we're going to look at some things today. And so I would encourage you as a Christian. Now hear this. Stop trying to be stronger. Stop trying to be better. Stop trying to be more deserving. You can't. That's why Jesus said, you need the Holy Spirit. Why? Again, we looked at this last week. It was out of John chapter 15. Jesus makes this statement. And he says, as you live in union with me as your source, he says, fruitfulness, not faithfulness, fruitfulness will stream from within you. Again, within you, not from external, inside of you. It says, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. You don't have the ability to be who God's called you to be by yourself. If we did, Jesus didn't need to come. He had to come because God knew that we weren't capable in and of ourselves. Now that can sound like bad news. Or you can take it as good news, is that Jesus came for us. And so as a Christian, we can say things like, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so I don't do da-da-da, whatever it is. Fill in the blank, right? Well, I don't do these things because I'm a Christian. Well, that's not really, I mean, that's a a law-based approach to God. Well, because I call myself a Christian, I don't do A, B, and C. Whatever that may be for you. But that's just like, I'm going to tough it out. But yet, living for Jesus is way more than just a mental choice. It's more than just making, well, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to be sweeter. People are going to love me because I'm just nice. No, you're not honest is what you are most of the time. When we try to change our behaviors, we're just trying to be more pleasant. So we're not really honest. I'm going to let that sit for a moment. Because the Bible says as believers, we tell the truth in love. It doesn't mean I'm harsh or I'm ugly, but it does mean that I'm honest. My wife asked me this morning, does this outfit go together? Now, I thought it did. (laughs) Happened to be. I'm like, hey, it looks pretty good. I think it looks nice, right? She did not wear it this morning. (laughs) Because she did not trust my judgment, apparently. But... I got totally thrown off by that thought. (laughs) It happens. But what happens, what if she's wearing something really ugly though? And I'm like, well, I just want to be nice and pleasant to her. And I'm like, baby, you look great. You look so good. And then she comes to church and y'all see her and she's like, why did he let her leave the house like that? What have I not done? I've not actually been honest with her. And so as a believer, we're not just called to what, be sweet. I think we are. But not at the expense of being honest with one another. Because there's times where we need to have some honest conversations with one another. And say, hey, don't do that. Like, like you represent the family. Don't act like that. Well, I need to be honest. Well, I'm not just saying be better in your own behavior or in your own. No, we surrender our hearts to Jesus. And he what? He brings a new heart and puts a new spirit on the inside of us so that we can now be different. Not try to be different, to be different. And so we talked about Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Talked about the fruit of the spirit last week. What does it look like? And many times in church, we want to talk about the gifts of the spirit and the power of God. Yeah, but there's just... 
God is a God of balance and order. There are nine gifts of the Spirit and there are nine fruit of the Spirit. And so we can have all of our gifts and sometimes we want to show those off. The problem is our fruit should speak louder than our gift. So we need to be mindful. We don't want to be more of one over the other. No, we need the balance of both. See, Jesus was the perfect example of what it looked like for someone to be full of the gift of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And guess what? People's lives were transformed because of him. And I believe that in much it's because of this balance that was generated. But all of that came about, why? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. You're like, no, he was Jesus. He was Jesus, a man who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. You go read. When Jesus got baptized, God had told uh, John the Baptist, he says, when you see the one who gets baptized and you see the Holy Spirit descend upon him, he's not a dove. It's not what scripture says. He says, like a dove on this one. When Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, we begin to read about awesome things happening through Jesus. Jesus was the pattern for us, not the unattainable level. But Jesus wasn't trying to do good things. He was being good. It was part of, it was just his nature and we have to understand that. And so it's from a new heart that we can be who we've been created to be. And that's very important. And we would call that salvation and it's very important. And and so we looked at this last week, but in John chapter 16, I'm going to try to roll through some of this here pretty quick at the beginning. Jesus talking to the disciples. These are some of the, in the uh, chapters I encourage you to read. John 14, 15, 16, 17 are all about really Jesus talking to the disciples. And much of it is about the Holy Spirit. And he, so the disciples have been walking with Jesus for three and a half years at this point, And he says, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. He says, but if I go away, then I will send him. I shared this with you last week that Jesus cannot lie. If he says he's going to send the Holy Spirit, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't share these scriptures with you, but in verse 12 and 14 of John 16, Jesus tells the disciples that they've been going all over the known world at that time. The whole region of where they they had all known. They're going all over the place. and, and, And so they've had lots of time to talk. And to spend time in Jesus teaching them. And yet Jesus makes a statement and says, there's so much more that I want to tell you. But Jesus, you just said you're leaving. Like, don't tell me that there's so much more you wanted to tell me, but now you're belling. Like, what's up with that? And yet Jesus goes on here. He says, um, he says, but you can't even, you're not ready for it. He said, man, I've got so much I want to tell you, but you're not ready. Thanks for the compliment, Jesus. But it says, when the spirit of truth comes... This is the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls him the Spirit of Christ. He says that he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you all that he has heard. Says he will tell you about the future and he will bring glory or bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. You ever had the thought like, I wish I could talk with Jesus. Like the disciples got to eat with Jesus, talk with Jesus, hang out with Jesus. Like, you know, I mean, they got to just know him. That word advocate means an exact duplicate, like one of the exact same kind. If you want to know Jesus, get to know the Holy Spirit. They're not different. 
The only difference is Jesus now is limited to a body. He still has a physical body that he's limited to. The Holy Spirit can be with me where I am. He can be with you where you are. He's not uh, limited by space. And, and so Jesus makes this just this amazing statement, though, in John chapter 14. And he says this to the disciples again. And he says, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in me will do the works that I have done. Anyone who believes in me will do what I have done. Well, that's an awesome scripture, but how do we live that? Like, I've never prayed over a blind, I've never made mud and stuck it in somebody's eyeballs and all of a sudden they could see. But Jesus said, what I do, you're going to be able to do. And he goes on, he says, even greater works, which... I don't know how you do greater than what Jesus did. So I'll let everybody have their debates on what they think that means. This is what my personal belief is. I don't believe that it was in the quality of what Jesus did. I think he's actually referring to the quantity. Instead of having one person do things, now we have a multitude of people doing things. That's my personal belief. But he makes it so, he says, I tell you, that you'll do the same works that I have done. And he says, because I am going to the Father. Because if Jesus just stayed on earth, guess what? He continues to be the one who's loving people, blessing people, healing people, working miracles, doing all these kinds of things. But he says, because I go to the Father, you're going to be able to do these things. Well, how? How is that going to happen? See, I, I hold to very strongly that God desires to do mighty things through every one of us. Great things. The book of Daniel in the Amplified Bible, I believe it's uh, chapter 8 and I think it's verse 10. And it's in the Amplified Bible and it says, Those who know their God will do mighty exploits. God will show off through his people. That's the David translation. But it says those who know their God are going to do some great and mighty things. And I believe that God wants to do some great things through us. But God first needs us to experience his power in us. We can't go and tell somebody about a God or or about that God will do something that we've never personally experienced. Why? Because then we're just hypocrites. See, we ought to, what, experience the presence of God. And I know if you're like me, you may have some uh, past church experience that kind of like, maybe like, "Ah, I've been a part of some foolishness in church and I don't want to go there. Like it's too emotional. Well, let me give you a scripture on that. The Bible says that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, with every part of who we are, which includes our emotions. And it doesn't mean that they have to be over the top. And if we're not careful, we'll swing too far the other way. You may say, well, I don't understand why people get excited during worship. They're just being emotional. No, they're worshiping. The Bible tells us that David danced before the Lord until his clothes fell off. Please don't do that. (laughs) But, I mean, his wife's like, stop it. You're the king. You're disgraceful. And he's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. That was the warm-up lap. (laughs) David translation, but that is what the Bible says. So there's nothing wrong with having an experience with God. The problem comes when we long for that experience more than we even want to know the word of God. 
Again, it's the balance, and we need both. We need to understand what the Bible has to say and the instructions from Scripture. But it's not void of an experience of actually knowing God, like very powerfully in our lives. And so we have to understand that God wants us to experience Him. Now let me give you a passage of Scripture here. Because no one asked this question necessarily, but I do want to, because I know there's some confusion around this. So in John chapter 20, verse 21, and so I'm going to tell you the, the question that many people have, and then I'm going to show you from Scripture my answer. So many times people say, well, but I, I thought that I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. You did. But, the, but then people tell me I need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought I already had the Holy Spirit. You do. But you still need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. They are different. You know, the Bible actually teaches us, shows us that we actually cannot get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one who convicts us of sin. And so to get saved requires the work of the Holy Spirit. But he is limited. So let me show you this in Scripture. So in John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, Jesus talking to the disciples. So this is after Jesus has been resurrected. So he shows up in a room. We don't have time to go into the context of it, but he shows up in a room and he says, peace be with you. Why did he say peace? Because they were freaked out. They were in a locked room and then all of a sudden Jesus just like steps through the wall. Hey guys. Right? And he's like, hey, calm down. It's okay. It's me. It's Jesus. As a matter of fact, he says, if you don't believe it, here's my hands. Here's my side touch me actually this is kind of crazy to me he's like hey y'all got some food go read your bible it's there jesus was hungry and he said give me some fish see last week's fish (laughs) boom it's biblical so he shows up has this whole conversation with he says peace be to you he says as the father has sent me i am sending you So in case you're wondering, does Jesus have a plan for my life? Yes. As God sent Jesus, Jesus says, now I'm sending you. And then he makes, and then he, he, he does this kind of weird thing. I will not be doing this today or anytime in the near future. He says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Many biblical scholars believe that in this moment they got saved. Because they said, he says, hey, it's me. I'm resurrected. This is pretty early on after resurrection. And many people would hold to, which I can see why they would say this, is that in this moment, they put their faith in Jesus. Say, well, why would you say that? Because when he got crucified, they all scattered. They were denying him. They were running away. And so in this moment, now, they had the opportunity to actually see him. You're like, yeah, but I've never seen Jesus. In this same account, Jesus actually looks at Thomas, which says, unless I put my finger in his hand and my fist in his side, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is resurrected. Jesus makes a very cool statement for us. And he says, Thomas, it's good that you believe because you've seen. But even more blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. That's us. That's pretty cool. And so Jesus here says that he breathes on them and says to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when, when, I, when I was thinking about this, praying about this, it automatically, when I this because I wasn't reading the scripture, I was actually just seeking the Lord, doing some things, and, and that this scripture came to mind. 
And when I, I thought, I don't even know if that's true. I had to go search it, like research a little bit and be like, Jesus breathed on some folks. And I don't quite remember that one, but it was there. And so, but as soon as that happened, I began to think and it began to take me back to Genesis 2, where it says that Adam was formed. God had made him out of the dust of the air, but he was just a body. There was no life in him. And the Bible says that God leaned down and breathed the breath of life. And what? Adam became a living being. That's what happens to us in salvation. We're a body, but we're not living. And so when we get saved, God breathes his life on the inside of us, this new life. And that's that heart change I was talking about, is that God puts a new heart in us. And we get that new life. So Jesus similarly breathes upon the disciples and says, guys, you're about to come alive like never before. And so that's salvation. But Jesus gives multiple instructions. And let me say it a little more firm than instruction. Jesus gave multiple commands. If Jesus commands, we ought to listen. Because he got out of the grave. Who else has that claim? I told you I'd be in there for three days. I'm back. And there were massive accounts that this were true during the time. If you went and researched just history, not even the Bible, you go and research history. History confirms that these things happened. And yet in Acts chapter 1, we looked at part of this verse last week, but I'm going to give you a little bit more of it today, picking up in verse 4. He says, once when he was eating with them, so this is after resurrection, Jesus is eating again. Hallelujah. See? I like Jesus. Jesus likes to eat, so do I. Praise God. So he's eating with them and he gives them and he commands them. It's not a, hey, if you feel like it, if you think about it, if you get around to it, he commands them, do not leave Jerusalem. Anybody got any questions there? Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he's promised. The gift. The Holy Spirit is a, gift to you if i told you right now that i gave you a gift of a million dollars in your bank account as soon as you left this place you'd be calling everybody that you knew at your bank and say is there anybody at the bank that i can check with this because guess what a gift that's not received is just there and it's not effective I mean, I could tell you all day long, you're a millionaire, you're a millionaire, you're a millionaire. But until you receive it, no, you're not. And it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, as I've told you before, because he talked about this, and I don't have time to show you where he says all this. John seven thirty seven. Go look it up. Seven thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine. And it says, so as I've told you before, it says that John, John the Baptist, being the one who baptized Jesus, baptized with water. He says, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what's the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation and receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It means to be fully immersed. Like think about water baptism. It's kind of hard to get water baptized and not get wet. And we don't sprinkle, we dunk. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what he, that was the instructions from scripture. Please don't take offense to that. 
But I'm just telling you from Scripture, it was a complete immersion. So what's the difference? To put it as clearly as I can think of how to say it, when I get saved, I have the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit externally. And there are some, it's not this simple, but it's, I'm just trying to communicate it clearly. Is that he is limited by me, by you, until I receive the full immersion of the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's an identity thing. Jesus goes on in verse 8 and says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. I've highlighted a few words there. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, so that you will be my witnesses. Not just doing good things. No, it ought to just be who you are. Like, one of the greatest testimonies of any believer is when people knew us before Jesus, and they know us now, and they say, some different. That's being a witness. If no one's ever said that to you, I would encourage you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because Jesus did not die for us to say the same. The Holy Spirit comes so that we will be completely transformed. We get saved in a moment, but we change by the work and the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's a process. There are some things that fell off of me in a moment when I got saved. And there were other things that are still in the process. 20 plus years later. Well, that 20 plus is the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we have this. In Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus talking to the disciples again, he says, now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. He says, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. How do I live for God? By the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to what? Be united to him and understand that, that he's working in my life. And so the influence of the Holy Spirit is what changes Christianity from religion into real life. And there are many people that have a religious understanding and a religious lifestyle that says I act a certain way at church, but I live differently everywhere else I go. Like, I talk this way at church, I talk this way with my boys, I talk this way at work. No, I am a Christian, not just in the pulpit, not just at church, not just with Christian folks. I am a Christian. I, I believe the word of God. And it's not because, well, I'm just strong and strong-willed. It has nothing to do with that. If anything, it's the exact opposite of that. I know my weaknesses and therefore I know I need the Holy Spirit. That's the reality. So we need the help, the work of the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to live a full life that God has for us, it's going to require the vibrant, real, felt presence of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide, to what? To help us become who God's called us to be. I need his power to do that. I don't trust myself. I mean, I don't trust myself to go jump on a motorcycle that goes very fast. And I know other people say, I just don't trust other people. I don't trust myself. Because I know me. And I only know one thing. Go. 
and then I'll be in oil spot somewhere. I don't trust myself to get on certain things of a speedy nature for a reason. Because I love adrenaline too much. But there are also areas of my life that I don't trust myself. And I listen and I look for the help of the Holy Spirit in those areas of my life. So I'm not telling you something that's somehow different for me than you. No, I'm just as human as you are. And I have failings and, and, and shortcomings and things just like you do. We all have them. But what I'm saying is that there is a power on the inside of every one of us that will let, allow us to live beyond those shortcomings, beyond those failures. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Scripture here, we see two very distinct experiences that are important to understand. We see salvation, which is to all. The Bible says salvation is available to everybody. Not just those who qualify, everybody. And so we see this as, as one experience. The second experience is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that has to be done in order. You cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit without being saved. Now, you can get saved and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Boom, boom. You can. You can be like me and get saved and then you baptize the Holy Spirit later. There's not right or wrong. But it is a, a secondary experience. There's actually three baptisms talked about in the New Testament. Three separate ones. It's called the baptism of Jesus, which is salvation, water baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they all have different meanings. And I may teach on it in a few weeks. I don't have time today. But there are three. And most of the time we just talk about the two and never talk about the third one. And yet the third one is the one that actually helps us live now. The baptism of salvation secures our eternity. Right? Water baptism is a public profession of a private decision. We're going public with our faith. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is how we live empowered. So I want to show you this a couple places in Scripture. In Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 38, 39, it says, and this is important. I want you to catch, I've highlighted a few words here. And so it says, each of you must repent for your sins and turn to God. That means nobody can get saved for you. You've got to do it. It says, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. The baptism of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, that's salvation. Then, that's kind of a key word, then. So it's not my opinion. You have to get saved to receive the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah, but this is all passed away. I've always heard that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have passed away. Scripture says something different. It says, this promise is to you, to your children, to those who are far off, all those who have been called by the Lord our God. How many of you are saved? You you fall into this category. All those who are far away. Because it says, all who have been called by the Lord. All who have been called by the Lord. Now again, this isn't my opinion. I'm giving you scriptures. And there's plenty to back this up. I know I'm having, for time, I can only give you so much, but I want you to, so, so understand that. So let me give you another one. In Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 14, if you go read the book of Acts, you'll see this as a pattern many times where people would, uh, and you see it again, sorry, I don't have enough time, but I'm giving you one experience. That you can go read Acts 19, and this experience right here that I'm about to tell you is duplicated perfectly. 
almost to the T. So it's not just taking one story out of one part of the Bible and saying, well, this is what it means. No, there's multiple places that this is talked about. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, salvation, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. They're saved, right? They have the Holy Spirit at salvation. But yet it says they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. It's a secondary act. It's on the other side of salvation. It says, for the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. And you're like, wait, I just thought you, you said that you couldn't get saved without the Holy Spirit. I did. Yeah, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon them. I know. It further actually adds to the point that I'm making. Is that there's salvation, then there's receiving the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we're not powerless. Jesus said that you will receive power from heaven. It comes from the person of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so it goes on, gives us some understanding here. It says, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It says, then Peter and John laid hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. God is a gentleman, and he will not force anything on us. Ever. We have to receive it. We have to accept it. Verse 17 of, of Acts chapter 8 says, As soon as Peter and John arrived, they laid their hands on the Samaritan believers, and one after another the Holy Spirit fell and filled each one of them. So let me just ask you a question. Has God called us all to live the same kind of life? Not to do the same things, but are we not all called to live the same way as Christ's followers? then why would he pick and choose and say, well, you get the Holy Spirit and you don't, but the standard is the same? Would that not be unfair? Absolutely, it's unfair. God is a just God. And he's not going to require anything of one person that he doesn't require of all of us. And so he's not going to give somebody some special gift, some special grace, some special anointing so they can be more holy than the rest of people. Because the standard's the same for all of us. The standard is Christ. Not a person. Not somebody we know. He's the standard. Well, the only way for God to be fair to every one of us is to give us all of the same Holy Spirit. But we have to receive. He's not just going to magically come upon us and all of a sudden be like, boom. No, you have to receive. Now, if you're like me, I was super analytical when it came to the, because I want to know, how's this going to work? What's this look like? What's going to happen? Do I do something? Is God going to do something? Holy Spirit going to do something? How does this work? And I was so in my head that it got in the way of my ability just to say, God, if it's you, I want it. And eventually I got so frustrated, I just didn't care about understanding it anymore. I just didn't. I say it this way, is that my desire to receive the Holy Spirit overwhelmed my desire to understand the Holy Spirit. And that was a hang-up for me. I mean, I really got hung up. That might be one reason why I love to teach it so much, because I think a lot of people are there. They just, like, I don't know what the Bible has to say. I've just spent the last 40, 39 minutes and 43 seconds telling you what the Bible has to say about the work of the Holy Spirit. 
The Bible says that it's for all, for you, for your children, for those who are, are far off, for all those who are called by the Lord. The Holy Spirit that worked in Scripture is the same Holy Spirit that works in us today. It's not some inferior version. He is the same Spirit. He is the Spirit of Christ. He is the one who empowers us to live beyond our abilities. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? The same way you receive salvation. By faith. You just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, okay, I see from Scripture. You want me to to receive the Holy Spirit so I can live new. No, no goosebumps are needed. There may be some. There may not. It's not a prerequisite for the Holy Spirit to show up. There's lots of debate on, well, how do you know when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Some people say, oh, well, you, you have to speak in tongues. And I know why they say that from Scripture. But here's my reverse of that. I was too in my head. I believe I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but I just never could surrender enough to the Holy Spirit to allow him to pray through me. I don't think I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. I just don't think I knew how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's what I think. Now that's just from my experience, but I'm but I know people get hung up on that. Well, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. I've never I've never had a prayer language. I've never spoken in tongues. I've never and you can get anxiety about it. You're getting too much in your head. It's a gift from the Lord. You have to receive it. So you just have to accept him. Just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. I invite you in to fill me up. And it's amazing when the Holy Spirit comes in, some things are going to exit your life and you're going to be like, what happened to that? What happened to that attitude? What happened to that hurt? What happened to that thing in my life? It's like the Holy Spirit came in and just washed it away. And then there's going to be other things that you do. And all of a sudden you're going to feel this nudge on the inside of you says, hey, let's talk about that. Not in an ugly way, not in an accusatory way, but just, let me say it another way. Is I love it when the Holy Spirit kind of comes to me. And he never, he's never used this verbiage. But it's kind of the way I interpret it is like, David, you're better than this. Not because I'm trying to do it, but I've been made new. Is that the Holy Spirit's on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit can be on the inside of you to empower you, to remind you of who you are. Not just to talk to you about what you do. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us who we are in Christ. Who we've been made to be. One last thought. And I, because this is important. Because this is one of my uh, soapbox things. We all have soapbox things. Things that we get on. And I have been around a lot of believers. Especially. In the context of people who were spirit-filled believers. Like it's a badge of honor. Like I'm somebody special and I'm better than them. Like there's a di- In heaven, baptism of the Holy Spirit will not matter. Won't matter. As a matter of fact, I don't believe we're going to care one bit. We're not going to have like a special little necklace or a crown and, or a jewel in the crown. It's like, oh, look at them. It's all about living life here on earth. We need the help now. I don't need it when I get to heaven. Right, but here's and so, I, I this is this really is a heart thing for me. But I think it, it actually enables the Holy Spirit to work greater in our lives. But this is that being filled with the Spirit doesn't make me better than you or anyone else. It does make me better than me, though. And me left to myself ain't that great. 
My mom would be real proud for my bad grammar right there. But me left to myself is not good. You left to yourself is not very good. Now I love you. But I'm being honest with you. And I want God's best for you. And if we ever think or ever fall into the trap that somehow that we've now received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives on the, and somehow that makes us better, what it actually makes us is more responsible. It makes me responsible now to the gift that God has put into my life. So now I have a responsibility to act and to live a certain way. So we should never look at this as a, and come at this from a place of, of pride that, hey, we got something. No, we need something. I could not live for the Lord consistently until I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're stronger than me and I would applaud you for the day is long. I couldn't do it. I tried really hard a lot. It just never worked. But when the Holy Spirit's presence came into my life and really began to fill me up, everything changed. I'm not saying everything was perfect, but things began to change really quick. And so I want to pray this morning.